BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast with me, Kenzie Elizabeth, and not my producer Taylor today. This intro is actually just going to be pretty quick. Um, today, Thursday, if you guys are listening to it, the day this is posted, um, I'm currently in LA. I just got back from New York and tomorrow I leave for Texas for the holidays. So it's been a pretty crazy, hectic week. Just finished finals. I'm really excited to go home for the holidays. I'm also doing Vlogmas on my YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash Kenzie Elizabeth. So if you guys want to watch any of those videos, lots of vlogs, lots of great holiday content. I have some amazing holiday gift guides on my Instagram, which again is just Kenzie Elizabeth. Um, but anyways, with all that being said, I hope you guys are having the best day. I hope you're having the best week and the best holiday season. Today's episode is with Liv Perez. There's so many things to say about her. That's we're laughing because she's like, I don't know. People always ask me like what I want to talk about <laughs> because I just like there's a lot of different ways we can go through this. Okay. So Liv Perez does a lot of things, as we've already kind of said. She's a journalist, a digital creative. She contributes to Forbes. Um, she went to NYU. She interned a lot of places, but she interned for Teen Vogue. She also co-founded System of Service, which is a community that provides accessible and impactful service opportunities to people. That's just like a few of the things she's done. She hosts a lot. She also has her own podcast, which is the Friend of a Friend podcast, which I tell her that I like love that name. But... It really is such an amazing podcast. If you guys are looking for new ones to listen to, highly recommend. So with all that being said, let's get into the episode. Hi. Hey. I'm so excited that you're on. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. We've already established that, well, one, I love your podcast. Thank and you. Two, you have the best podcast name to ever exist. It's called Friend of a Friend. It's literally the best name I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. It's incredible. So do you want to do a little one minute bio? Give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, of course. I'm Liv Perez. I am an entrepreneur, podcaster, um, fashion person, and I live between New York and LA. And my podcast is called Friend of a Friend. I interview young entrepreneurs on what it's like to be building a brand today, building businesses, especially in the age of like digital personalities and so many young entrepreneurs doing cool things. I was really interested in diving deep into that. Yeah, it's so good. Thanks. How long have you been doing it? About six months. I'm like a newborn. So still figuring it all out and having a great time just being able to tell other people's stories. Yeah, I'm only at a year. So like I'm still at what time frame are you like not new to it anymore? You know? Yeah, I when I was like really nervous in the beginning, I had a friend tell me that Jimmy Kimmel said something when he was like starting his night show that he was like, yeah, once I got to like, like show 25, I began to like 
suddenly feel like it was just like another day in the park, like another, just like another night. So maybe I'm hoping around that time. (laughs) I don't know. I'm only like episode nine right now. So I still get like really nervous whenever I start an episode. Really? Yeah. But I like journalism is my favorite thing. I love talking to people. I love interviewing. So like within five minutes or like immediately I'm excited to be in the room and it it goes right into it. But it's just kind of like, it's like a performance in the beginning. You're nervous. And I think that's normal. Yeah. You would never be able to tell. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, one, I've noticed that people get way more nervous to come on podcasts than to like do like a YouTube video or something. Right. Which I think is like kind of odd. Like I would think a YouTube video, I would, but I don't know. I feel like I'd be more nervous for a video. For some reason, I've gotten nervous for like maybe one episode ever. Like, I don't know why I'm not. I think also because most of the time my producer Taylor's in the room and he's like, he has to edit this. I'm like the greatest person ever. But I think it's like easier because someone else is there. Yeah, so totally. Like you have like a comfort thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Totally get that. Okay, so we're going to do Hot Seat. Okay. Hot Seat is my favorite game. I just asked three fun questions. Okay. First question. This is my staple hot seat question. What is the best purchase you've made under $100 in the past six months? A really good friend of mine, her name is Scarlett Curtis. She just wrote a book and I actually contributed to her first version of it. And it was called Feminist Don't Wear Pink. And her second iteration of it is called It's Okay to Feel Blue. And it's a collection of short stories and personal essays from really talented people around the world. I think like Ed Sheeran wrote one, Emma Watson wrote one, and it's all personal essays about their issues and struggles with mental health. And it's an incredible book. So that was a really good buy. And you should also buy her first one, which came out last year and was all about personal essays about feminism. That's really cool. Yeah. So that was my- great names. Yeah, the feminists don't wear pink um, one is actually called the long version is feminists don't wear pink and other lies and was all about breaking down the stigma of what people think feminism is and then kind of the more female description of what it is from a personal level. And it's not just like the stereotype of like women who wear pink and burn bras and are very like opinionated and loud. And it was a really, really exciting thing for me to be a part of and contribute to. So so I would support her series in any way. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Number two, what is your ideal go-to everyday outfit? What I'm wearing right now, actually. It's um, so cute. <laughs> thanks. I'm like a big blazer girl. I want blazers in every single color, every single print. Where do print. you get your blazers from? This one's Camilla and Mark. I like them a little oversized, a little boxy. Yeah. That with like a white tee underneath, redone jeans, and these Prada like combat boots that I've had for a little while now. Go-to. So cute. Thanks. That was the first thing I said to her. I was like, blazer. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, skincare or makeup item that you can't live without? My makeup item that I can't live without is the Chanel Beauty Le Palette. It's basically like a palette with a concealer, a highlighter, and a color. And I keep it in my bag all the time. It's basically something I can like literally put like a highlight or a color and like conceal. I can go anywhere with it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then skincare that I can't live without... Ooh, that's difficult because I'm always switching up my routine. I've been using Dr. Lancer's face wash for like 10 years now. Someone else that was in the studio recently was talking about that. Well, I started going to Dr. Lancer when I was really young because I live here and he is obviously so amazing. And his product line also just works. So I've been using his face wash for as long as I can remember. And it's literally the only face wash that I use. So I think that's it's not like my go-to, but it's my necessity. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up here. Yeah. And then you went to NYU, right? I did. So I moved out of LA when I was 18 to go to NYU. And just how was that experience? It was amazing. I mean, I think it was one of those things where it was like, 
I knew it was going to be very good for me in the long run in terms of going to a place that I would work really hard and meet a lot of people and be out of my comfort zone. I also knew going into it that I wasn't going to be getting the typical college experience. I wasn't going to like be able to be in frats and have like a that type of like collegiate experience. But being in New York gave me like a whole new world of opportunities and kind of I felt like put me on a little bit of a fast track. So by the time I had graduated, I knew exactly what I was doing and I didn't feel lost, which I think a lot of people our age feel towards the end of college. Especially, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really grateful that I didn't really have that experience. That's so cool. So you grew up here. What was it like growing up here? Like, are you still, this is what I always wonder. I'm like, would you say like your closest friends are from home or like college? Definitely from home. The yeah. Like my close circle right Same. now are people that I've known my whole life. I love that. That's yeah. like such a gift. Yeah. And I don't think that that necessarily is a testament to like growing up in LA. Growing up is a really interesting experience in the sense that you will always go out and probably meet new people and have these new experiences. But what I at least noticed for myself is that you will always return home. And that was definitely like a big theme in my college years where it was like I was having so much fun doing all these new things at school but like I always needed to go home because I have such a close-knit relationship with my family and my friends and that was always really important to me do you have siblings I have four sisters oh my gosh no way (laughs) yes yeah are you in the I'm second youngest okay cool yeah dang I have like technically six up and two real siblings so like I have a huge family but like not all girls that's actually so cool Yeah, it's been great. So like, I don't think I ever, I would say like the feminist movement was happening for our generation. I think it's been in popular culture and been a part of society. But I think for us, when we kind of had that feminist awakening, I would say, I didn't really, I almost didn't get it because I had literally been raised by strong women my whole life. I had been in a house of women who, you know, told my dad what was like what to wear and what was cool and who took care of each other. It was such an interesting time to kind of have that that awakening and see that go on. Um, And I feel really grateful to have been raised by really strong, amazing women. Yeah. A lot of people have actually been saying that like recently. I've heard that. It's like, like I didn't get it at first because they had had like the good experience, you right. know, they had But that's it. very rare, of course. Which is very rare, but it's yeah. still like, it's a it's a good problem to have, you know? Like, it's cool to have had that experience. Right. And then, like, obviously, as you get older, like, understand. Okay, so how did you, like, get into journalism? Like, how did you, did you always know that this is, like, something you wanted to do? Not really. I grew up competitive dancing. I was a ballerina until I was about 18, 17, somewhere in there. And I knew that I had like storytelling because ballet to me was really about that. It was how can you tell a story without words using your body? How can you speak to an audience and take them out of their current world, put them in somebody else's shoes and tell them a story? So that was always really intriguing to me, but I didn't think, I don't think I knew it until I was a little bit older. I started to travel when I was in high school to different places around the world with this one company that allowed me to go to, like I went to Tanzania, I went to India, I went to Cambodia, and I was doing service work out there. I helped you know, teach young kids English. I helped rebuild a school. And during those experiences, I had brought a camera with me and I started shooting. And I think out of that experience, when I came home and I was looking at all the photos, I realized again that I was kind of telling a story 
via my photography and I became really interested in photojournalism. And that's actually what I originally applied to NYU for. So that was kind of when I like started to go down this like rabbit hole of like loving journalism and loving storytelling in a more literal way. But my whole life up until that point had really been about storytelling. So I ended up going to NYU. I was in Gallatin and I formulated my um, for those of you who don't know, Gallatin is a call is like a school within NYU where you can make your own major. And I ended up formulating oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was crazy. I ended up formulating my major around journalism and a little bit of like photography, visuals, and fashion. Oh my god! So it came full circle for me. I think it took, like most people, many different iterations of like what journalism meant, but it was always an underlying theme in my life. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Sophia Rossi, I was just recording with her and she was talking about how she's like, I feel like I've just been doing the exact same job my entire life, but just kind of like moving up and getting like paid more for it essentially. Right, right. She's like, I feel like my job now, like she always says like a camp counselor, like that's like what I started as. So it's cool because so often you see like what you do, it just translates Diff- like it's the same thing but it's just like you're totally saying it differently like that's so cool I do feel like I've been doing the same thing for a very long time just in so many different iterations to get to the point that I'm at today and I think that's really important for people that are trying to find what it is they like is trying as many things as you can not to figure out what it is that you like but to figure out what it is that you don't like so you can slowly chip away at that and then find the one thing that actually makes you happy and most of the time you'll realize again that you've been doing it for a long time yeah. Like me. <laughs> I so didn't. Cool. Yeah, it was a really cool moment when I actually was like about a month or two into the podcast and I was super passionate about it and super excited about it. And I was like looking back on my life and I was like, why didn't I realize this like a long time ago? Why didn't I maybe hone in on those skills a little bit longer? And I was like, wait, you have been doing this just in a different way. Yeah. No, that's yeah. actually so cool. Yeah. Okay. So from journalism, like what is your favorite experience that you've been able to experience like throughout journalism anything related to it like what's your favorite thing you've ever done Ooh, I mean there are so many you can list more than one if they're good just keep keep them coming yeah I would more say like what the feeling is for me I would say anytime I get the chance to speak on a panel that's really exciting for me I've been really lucky to have been brought on to so many projects where companies will hire me to moderate and curate the conversation and that's always really exciting that's really cool um there is a creative incubator in toronto called house that i worked with earlier this year and they brought me on to curate and moderate a panel on female entrepreneurship and storytelling and how to bring your ideas to life and that was such an exciting project because we were able to bring such amazing names together to celebrate and support their students at the creative incubator so it was like me, Jen Rubio, who started away, who was also just on my podcast, Morgan Debon, who started Blavity, Bella Hadid, Lala Anthony. But so that was just a really cool experience was to not only one, curate the conversation and be able to interview four amazing people, but do it for something that's good and really be inspiring a generation of like creators and thought leaders that are really looking up to people like that and want to be inspired and want to be encouraged to go into the creative field. I think that's one of the many benefits of social media is that you're able to get like your message out there before. Totally. People, it's like, oh, I want to be a journalist and it's like a, or I want to be a, like a business owner or whatever. And it's this really straight, narrow path. Like not only has it given people freedom to kind of create their own job and create their own way and like take from so many different like realms of work and kind of put it in one, but also like you're able to share, like people wouldn't necessarily be able to like talk to them about like, how did you start this business? Yeah. How did you do this? For how sure. did you do this? But like now the information is like so much 
more accessible, you know? Yeah, one of my favorite things ever about the time that we're in is, yes, there are downsides to social media, but we're at a point in time right now that no other point in history we've been able to be a part of. We can talk to people around the world at the click of a button and we can create communities and have conversations and relate on a common ground. We've never really been able to in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting to be a part of that generation, but also be at like the forefront of it. And so, yeah, I feel really lucky to be in this time and place where we can do that. Yeah, it's so cool. So, Okay, basically like getting into like the details of how to start like moderating panels and how to kind of just like basically just how to start in that realm. Like what advice would you give to someone and like what are like the practical steps? Ooh, I mean, from a practical perspective, I think the biggest piece of advice that I give people and to myself constantly is people can't see you a certain way unless you show them. So no one's ever going to see you as a moderator unless you put yourself in the position for them to see you as such. So it's like, I remember when I first got my first moderating job, I had been doing a lot of work in the journalism space. I had just started writing for Forbes, but I'd also been doing like series for other companies as well that kind of put me in the space to show me as like a host and like a live personality. Yeah. How did you start writing for Forbes and like the other companies? Yeah, that was by chance. So I was with an agency that actually put me in touch with Victoria's Secret for the Victoria's Secret fashion show about four years ago and Forbes needed coverage for it and I had the access backstage. So I think people always ask me and people are always like, well, you know, like this situation was luck and that's what got you there. But I think it's so much about, yes, I believe like in luck and I believe that those moments are really important, but it's also like, okay, once you're put in that position, how can you work it to make what you do different than how anybody else is going to do it. And anyone can get lucky. There's a difference between getting lucky. Like you can get lucky and fall flat on your face or you can get lucky and like you're already prepared and you're ready and then you accelerate with it. So like even if something was by chance luck, let's say, like you were prepared. Like that doesn't take away from like your ability to do it, you know? Right. But like in that moment, You know, so I had my agent and I had the Forbes team and myself going backstage. Uh, One of my best friends is an amazing photographer. So I was like, hey, I'm going to bring him backstage with me and we're going to get amazing shots. I knew some of the girls backstage. I knew some of the makeup artists. So it's like you can be put in that position, but how you work it depends how far you're going to go. Exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. All right, guys, really quickly, I just wanted to talk to you guys again about Zola. So Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love. It's reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. So, so many listeners of this podcast currently are engaged. I know this because it is all over the Facebook group. This is definitely like a holiday season thing. I feel like so many people get engaged during this period of time. So I thought that Zola would be the perfect thing to share with you guys at this time because so many of you guys are engaged as well as some of my friends on real life. So I will be also sharing this with them as well. Just thinking about wedding planning and watching people have to do that sounds so overwhelming. And Zola, Zola just really takes a lot of the stress out of wedding planning. They have free wedding websites, the easiest wedding registry, and affordable invite suites, and more. So Zola is the absolute best. So personally, my favorite thing about Zola is their wedding registry. So they have the most helpful wedding registry ever, and they make the process very easy and fun. The Zola registry is also on your wedding website that you can make through Zola as well. So guess 
guests are able to get wedding info and buy gifts in one convenient place. I really appreciate this because having everything in one place is very helpful. I like the links. I like everything that Zola is doing with this. So basically, they are the only place where you can register for honeymoon funds and gift cards along with physical gifts. That is brilliant. And I cannot believe it hasn't been done before. So good for Zola. They also carry all of your favorite brands. So they have Cuisinart and they also have Airbnb. Guys, that is such a brilliant gift. I love that. Couples and guests love free shipping, smart returns, price matching, group gifting, and more. So Zola is actually offering my listeners $50 toward your registry when you go to Zola.com slash I love you. So again, you guys can build your free wedding website on Zola and get $50 toward your registry. Just go to Zola.com slash I love you. That is Z-O-L-A dot com slash I love you and get started today. All right, guys. So with all that being said, let's get back into the episode. So if someone is, let's say it's like a 12 year old who wants to get into all of this, like what would you say now? Put yourself out there as much as you possibly can. Again, we're at a time now where we have all those resources. I didn't have the resources that a 12 year old has right now. I didn't have the ability to have a YouTube channel or use IGTV and build an audience and talk about the things that I like. So I think if you can use the resources around you to, again, show people what you can do, that will get you that much further. Yeah. And being able to like cultivate those skills at a really young age, I definitely didn't have the ability to do that when I was 12. So it's an exciting time. And I think if you're 12 and you know what you want to do, the more power to you. Yeah. How <laughs> yeah. do you define being a digital creative? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that's the, I think that's like the bane of my professional existence right now yeah. is this whole idea that like I don't blog, but like the whole world wants to call me a blogger. I love fashion, but I'm not like a fashion influencer per se. There's always this like necessity to like put a, a label title. on yeah. what it is that I do. And I can't even label it myself. So I can't blame other people to do it. I like <laughs> digital creative. I like to say that I am a journalist and an entrepreneur. Being a digital creative to me is having the ability to put the ideas in your head into something that you can show the world. So whether it's like you know, if a brand comes to me and is like, hey, we have this new product and we want to build out a campaign around it and promote it for the launch. And me being able to like ideate and concept what that looks like for me and my audience, that's really what that means to me. I've always been a creative person, but today it's more like, how can you take what's in your head and see it as an iteration on the internet for like as many people in the world to be able to see? So I think it's just kind of like that ability, like having that kind of switch in your brain and being able to see it in a different way. Yeah, no. I actually love the term. I think it's, like, great. Yeah, no, I mean, I I have nothing against it. No, when people, even when people ask me what I do, like, I know what I do, but it's still, yeah. is like, I, it's just such a weird, I don't totally. know. It's such a weird thing. I think also you're able to be so much more than just, like, one or two things. Totally, now, especially totally. Especially in the realm of work that we're in. Yeah, when people are, like, write me a bio, and I'm like, okay, like, but, like, how, like, but like, can uh, it be a page? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't yeah. really know how to like answer that, but... Right. I'm really into LinkedIn these days. Yeah. You have a really good LinkedIn. I actually <laughs> looked at your LinkedIn. Honestly, probably, I like need to fix mine. Like it's probably one of the best ones I've seen. Thanks. I just think that like, you know, people today, I think are really, really positioned to like go on Instagram and look at who people are. But I just think that like using LinkedIn and being able to show it to people that way has just been a little bit more constructive. Yes. I think people can make a really quick judgment when they like a quick visual judgment on Instagram. And it's like, I want to take all that away and like 
I want to be known for the work. I want to do the work. Yeah. And that's what I want people to be able to look at me as. Yeah. Yeah. No, you have a great LinkedIn. Thanks. <laughs> great podcast name. Big fan. Okay, <laughs> let's you. talk about it's system of service, right? Yes. Do you want to yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Again, I think it goes back to my like love for just telling stories. I think if you're going to take up space in this world, you need to make sure that you're leaving something good behind with it. And I think, you know, good storytelling, good journalism can like genuinely change the world. Like, I don't mean to sound naive by saying that, but I do think that there is like an ability now to like create communities that make people feel welcome and feel included and feel seen. And that's really needed right now. Just the ability to let somebody else like take a walk in somebody else's shoes. And that's like kind of just, that's like the overarching theme of everything I want to work on right now is what can I do to tell somebody else's story and change somebody's mind? But System of Service was actually started by one of my best friends, Joe Holder. He came to me with the idea about three years ago, right after the election, with a lot of, I think, just frustration with the way that things were politically, socioeconomically, and just in general, but specifically with like the way our generation was engaging in service and giving back to their communities. I think it's really easy to see an initiative or see a campaign on Instagram, donate and walk away. And our mission is to get people as hands-on and as involved in campaigns and initiatives that they're interested in as possible. So it's like, how can we create moments where people want to come and give back hands-on? So we, like our first event that we ever did was for hashtag lunch bag. We had like a hundred of our friends come and I think we packed like five, 600 lunches in like two hours. And it really like destigmatized this idea of service where it's like, if you want to give back right now, it's probably a really overwhelming experience to even like start that process. Mm-hmm. Like you probably wouldn't know where to go. Or like if it's like a Saturday morning and you want to give back, there's like so much red tape around the service industry right now in terms of like the way that you can give back. So we just, again, want to like create the infrastructure and the community for people to not feel nervous about giving back, come in, do something fun with their friends. It's going to make them feel good and change the lives of the people around them. There are obviously way bigger things in the world and around the world and like initiatives that we can all support on like a smaller scale from home. But like, what can we do to like really help the people in our own backyard? So we've done stuff. Again, we did like one for the Bowery Mission in New York. We did something last January um, with Smart Water for the Gold Meets Golden event here where we helped raise awareness for the Special Olympics. So it's really like, we're really excited about just getting involved in initiatives that are close to home and like help people in like a physical way and not just like writing a check and walking away. And just like awesome to see when people come up to us afterwards and are like, hey, like just this event made me want to like reach back out to like the community service initiative that I was a part of in high school and like dive back in again. So it's been really fun to like, again, change people's minds about the way they see giving back and being a part of that. Yeah, that's so amazing. Yeah. My like church is like pretty heavily involved in like the city and doing a bunch of stuff. So it's easier for me to like get not access, but to like know where to go because yeah. it's set up for me. So totally. things like this are so important because I think you exactly what you said, like it's almost overwhelming to get involved. And there are certain organizations where like you need a background check or you need this or you need that. And like, there's a lot that are actually really easy that you can just go serve in. Right. But it's helpful to have something that like makes it so accessible. And also I think LA, especially just like speaking for LA, 
it's like a transit city. Like people are in and out. And like there's a large majority of the people who are just kind of in and out. And like they move here for something career-wise. And they move here, honestly, mostly for like career-wise. But because of that, it's not necessarily like they don't view it as like home. When it's home, you want to take care of it more. Right. And there's a sense of ownership and like responsibility. And it's like, I love LA. Like I didn't grow up here. I've been here for five years, but it's like, this is home. Like I love LA. Where are you from? I'm from Texas. I mean, I love Texas like so much. Yeah, totally. No, but I get what you mean where it's like when it's a bigger city, it's hard to feel like emotionally responsible for the people that are here and how the city how the city operates. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just really important. Oddly, like there's so many things. I think giving back, obviously for like the biggest reason is for the sake of giving back. But I think like you give so much and you end up like, it's like refreshing. You feel so like so much more at home. Like you're actually doing something because it's with purpose. Like this stuff matters more than like whatever else you're doing in the city. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, this is the stuff that really actually does matter. So I just think it's so important. Like I'm very passionate about people like serving their cities wherever you are. Yeah. I'm very passionate about LA obviously because I'm like here. Yeah. But I think anywhere you are, like it's so important. And there's people who like really need help. Like we were at Baby to Baby two weeks ago. And it's just crazy. I'm like, I think it's really nice because it's very like humbling and you realize like, wow, like hearing people's stories and like the video, they have you watch this video at the beginning of this like mom who she had a kid and then she was pregnant and then she lost her job and then became homeless. I think, I don't know how the exact story was, but it was something along those lines. And you're just like, it's so crazy. Like, it's just, and that's happening like in our backyard, you know, all the time. Like there's a huge homeless problem here. Like, yeah. I think just in general, but especially LA, like it's just like heartbreaking here. So I think it's just like so important. Like so, so, so important. Joe always says that service is like the price you pay for like your own human existence. Um, So I just think that if people to see service as something that they shouldn't just do, but, you know, need to do and want to do to feel like complete in their lives. Yeah, it really is like, I don't even know how to describe like how it feels. And I don't mean this in like a selfish way, like do this so you feel this way. I just mean like, I think we were like created to do this. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like that goes into purpose and that goes into like, just like human nature, like how we're supposed to treat each other, you know? Definitely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit briefly. I know we talked about MIU, but a little quick, like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are people who are like going to college soon or I mean most of them are already in college or like transferring or whatever. So what was your experience at NYU? Like did you love it? Did you hate it? Were you really homesick? Ooh, I mean, I was definitely homesick, but I think I was able to like if you're someone that's homesick in college, the biggest thing that I can say is get involved in as much as you can, especially if you're an NYU student listening to this. I think that there's like a really big stigma against like clubs and like frats and sororities at NYU. And people are like, I don't want to be part of that. Like I live in New York City and I'm like too cool to do all of that. But I joined a bunch of things during my time at NYU and it made the world of a difference. I was the creative director of the NYU fashion magazine. I was involved in like the fashion club at Gallatin. And all those experiences, one, like kept me busy and like gave me like a real grounding purpose at NYU. But the biggest thing that I took away from that, looking back on it later in life that like I wish I could tell kids in college now is getting involved in those things allows you to meet like like-minded people that have the same passions that you do. And 90% of the time, those people that you meet in college are the people that you're probably going to work with later in life. Yeah. All the people that I've worked with in college are like very much in like, 
my proximity in the fashion industry today. And being able to work and collaborate with people that I'm friends with and like have a background with, it just, it's more exciting and it allows me to be a little bit more creative. And I feel really lucky. I don't feel as much in the dark in the industry that I'm in because at least I know people. So like that was a big thing for me was like, I felt so excited when I finally got my foot in the door in the industry and I got to see everybody else around me do the same. And we all did it together. And that feels a lot more rewarding. That's really cool. Yeah. Was it easy to make friends? I had a little bit of an advantage because NYU is definitely like an LA transplant college. There were so many people that I knew from home, which was great in the beginning for me to have just like a backbone to stand on and a support system. But I definitely like by joining all those things, force myself to like make new friends at the same time because that's really important. I think it's so easy for people to stay in the same bubble, but that's not the point of college. I actually had a job like days before my first day at NYU, which like was the craziest thing ever. I like got a Teen Vogue internship and I started working there like before I'd even started college. I was like five days new to New York City um, and was taking the subway to Times Square every day and like really just like jumped into New York life. And although that was a very overwhelming experience, I'm so glad that I got that job in the beginning because I met so many people that ended up being like my mentors and the people that like guided me through my time in New York because I had gotten a job the second that I got there. And it gave me like an external purpose than just going to school every day. No, that's amazing. What was that internship experience like? Amazing. I will say that like Teen Vogue was definitely the catalyst for my entire career and was something that I wish they still did today. Condé Nast doesn't do internships anymore, but I ended up getting an internship in Teen Vogue Entertainment and the woman who hired me is like still a big mentor of mine today. But it was funny because obviously moving from LA and going to New York, like the last thing I wanted to do was entertainment. I took it because I wanted to get my foot in the door and it was a good decision because they ended up hiring me another semester and they moved me to the fashion closet, which was where I really wanted to be. So I ended up being there for like a little over a year and it was just the most incredible experience. I learned so much. I met so many people and I really like was at the core, like the epicenter of the industry and saw so much that like ended up being a big part of my career later down the line. That's amazing. Yeah. And it came full circle. I mean, the girl who I interned with while I was in the closet is now Lindsay Peoples, who's now the editor in chief of Teen Vogue. And she was just on my podcast like three episodes ago. So you never know like who you're going to meet in these situations and how they can be they can play a really big part in your life later. I think that's so cool. I think it's really important too to take, I mean, not that like anything at Teen Vogue is bad, but like you said, you didn't want to do entertainment. Yeah. And it ended up getting you to like where you wanted to be. Yeah, it's like I sure doing things so often. People are like, it's not exactly what I want, so I'm not going to take it. Yeah. But I think you need to do things that like get your foot in the door and then you'll have more ground to be able to kind of move into what you want to do. And I think experience is experience. Totally. I mean, you need to pay your dues. And I think like that's why I had a really big problem with when the Condé Nast thing happened with internships and they got rid of them. Although I do understand that there was probably some like abuse of time and power there. And like some of the interns weren't getting paid for like extreme overtime and strenuous situations. You know, I was at Teen Vogue every day till like seven, eight o'clock and still had to go home and do schoolwork. But even though it was exhausting, I was so happy to be there and felt so grateful to be there because I was building a name for myself and I was doing the work and paying my dues to try and get to where I wanted to go. So I think that's also something today that like a lot of people overlook a little bit is especially young teens in college is that like paying your dues is a real thing. And the harder you work, the more it'll pay off. Nothing comes easy. Why did they get rid of internships? So this was a few years back. So I'm sorry if my memory is a little fuzzy, but 
there were a few interns at Condé Nast, I believe, that back in the day when Condé Nast had internships, they were obviously unpaid. Most internships are unpaid. And that's, again, part of paying your dues. But there was a perspective of like, you know, some of these kids are at school on scholarship and can't afford to be working the hours that they do and not be compensated, which is also extremely valid. But because of that situation, they got rid, and there was a massive lawsuit, they got rid of internships entirely at Condé Nast. So there's like, you can't even intern for like Teen Vogue or Vogue anymore. Um, You have to be someone that's like on contract, which I think, you know, took away so much opportunity from the next generations that like want to be in the industry and are hungry to work. But I wish they found a middle ground for sure. But yeah, dang. Yeah because it really changed my life. And it's a shame that there was an abuse of power there and that people were kept over time and not treated fairly. But again, I wish that they could have found a middle ground because it changed my entire perspective on work and dramatically changed my career path. Where else have you interned? Was that, did you go elsewhere after that? So my first internship ever was at C Magazine here in California. And I interned there when I was in high school. Then I went to New York and did Teen Vogue for about a year. Then my boss, her best friend worked in PR at Hermes. Again, it's another one of those things of like, cultivating the relationships and like creating meaningful relationships because if you really create those meaningful relationships, people want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that was something that like, that was like one of the biggest takeaways for me after leaving Teen Vogue was like, I worked really hard and I really, really valued and like loved all the people around me. And they valued me too, which was like an amazing feeling and they wanted me to succeed. So then I moved from Teen Vogue to the PR closet at Hermes. Then I came back here and I worked for Ryan Seacrest, which was like when I really, really became interested a little bit more in like the digital media, this whole thing world. And I went back to New York and that's when I started to think about what I wanted to do on my own. That's when I like kind of boosted up my Instagram a little bit and started to like reach out to fashion partners and see how I could get my foot in the door. What year did you graduate? 2016 in May. When you graduated, did you, I know you kind of flipped between the two, but did you immediately come back to LA for a time period? Did you stay out there? No, I stayed in New York. Um, It's only been in the past like two years that I've been bi-coastal. And that's been really important to me as a creative person, just to be able to constantly be like shifting my brain, but also just, you know, my family's here and that's really important to me. And I like being able to have my foot in the door in both places and work with, you know, both industries that are always changing on both sides of the coast. Does that ever stress you out? Yes. (laughs) See, I think like that would be like my ideal life, but I'm like, I feel like I would be so stressed out. When people are like, oh, I wish I could have your life. I look at them and I'm like, no, no. Let me tell you something. Like my friends, someone's always hating me. Whether it's like my family for not being home enough or like my friends in New York, I've been in LA for a month right now and I'm going to be here for like another month because of the holidays and like, I'm doing like podcast production here. I'm in a group chat with my friends where it's like, they are literally like, poking me every day being like oh we heard time. Olivia literally bullying me I think I'm scared I'm afraid one day they're gonna like stop texting in that group and there's gonna be another group chat that I'm not a part of yeah, that's so scary they're gonna kick me out no I'm kidding they love happen. me guys if you kick me out I'll kill you <laughs> no, I would feel I think I would just be more stressed out about like having things in two places or like yeah, uh, like, yeah. That's what would... like my clothes things yeah. like that that's definitely a little alarming sometimes but no I think you know it's one of those things where it's like if you're willing to put in the extra effort to keep the relationships that you have and continuously make them meaningful and continuously be a part of their lives, then, okay, do bi-coastal. But it takes a lot of work. Like, I'm constantly catching up with people. 
Yeah. Constantly. No matter what coast I'm on, even like with my closest friends in the world, it's like, okay, like let's have lunch and catch up. I could go back to New York and like there's like a slew of people that I need to see and catch up with too. So if you're willing to put in that extra effort, you could do it. But otherwise, it's a lot harder than it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you kind of have an advantage like going to NYU because you kind of had to learn that then, you know? Totally, totally. And also like my foundations in New York. I feel really lucky to have gone to college in New York because like I built my foundation there without even knowing it. Yeah. By the time I graduated, I had so many friends that were that were moving to New York for like the first time ever. And you're like 10 years ahead of them. Completely. Yeah. So I, you know, it, I'm really lucky that I made that decision to like go to a metropolitan school and like continue to do that. Did you consider going elsewhere or were you set on NYU? I really liked Brown and RISD. Again, my, at the time that I was graduating, I was so interested in photojournalism. I wanted to like be Christian Amanpour. I still do. <laughs> but I wanted to like travel the world and yeah. do that. And there was like a Brown RISD program where you could like study journalism and photography at the same time. But I ended up setting on NYU because I was just like, I want to be at the heart of it all. I don't want to be at a disadvantage when I graduate and kids have already been there for four years and know what they're doing. That's Um, so smart. Yeah, it was it was a really good decision. I don't regret it at all. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so in the spirit of being bi-coastal, can you give us like three LA hotspots and then three New York hotspots? Like your go-to places. Oh my God, this is so difficult because I'm not cool. <laughs> I don't, I like go to the same places. That's all. how I am. I don't go to anything. I have my places and that's it. I know. Okay. In New York, Fort Charles Prime Rib is probably one of my favorite places to get a burger. It's so good. I love Ruby's Cafe. I go there with friends all the time. And I'm obviously only giving you restaurants because all I do is eat. And what else is really, really good in New York? I mean, like, like Sidell's is just a classic. I love Sidell's. Go get a good bagel. Their pancakes are insane. Those are three restaurants that I love. Here, it's a little bit more tricky because I don't go out that much. Oh, I mean, John and Vinny is phenomenal. Oh obviously. my gosh, don't even get me started. Yeah, John I'm and Vinny like, is like kid. Yeah, yeah, I have to like, I live on Fairfax. So like, I have to like actively stay away from John and Vinny's. It's really, really difficult for me. So I love Israeli food and Bavel downtown is phenomenal. I've never been. Yeah, it's really good. And it's like so beautiful as well. The vibe's awesome. And I love Pache for like every night, like chill every night, like in Laurel Canyon. It's yeah. a, like, it's been there since I was a kid. And it's just I've like- I've never such, been, but I've heard. Oh, I love the vibe. Like, what it's is it just, like? It kind of feels like you're eating in like a little tree house. Okay, um, see, so yeah, I gotta go. Yeah, and that's like, it's really chill. You can sit outside, amazing pizza. It's just wow. like a chill spot. Love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Where of course. can we find you? Okay, you can find me on Instagram at Liv Perez, L-I-V-V-P-E-R-E-Z. And then my podcast is called Friend of a Friend. And we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Love it. I'm yeah. a big fan. The podcast is amazing, guys. Go listen. Thanks. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you guys did, let us know by leaving a nice little review and rating. Also, if you guys have not joined the Facebook group already, you guys are missing out. Seriously, it's so much fun in there. I feel like everyone's friends. I'm constantly in it. I have my laptop out right now, and one of my tabs is a Facebook group because I'm constantly responding to stuff. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hope you have the best holiday season, and I'll talk to you guys next Thursday.